welcome to the Adamantium Podcast, episode number 152. Welcome back, Adamantimaniacs. I am your host, Adam R. Harrison, and thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope everyone is gearing up for the Halloween weekend. I'm supposed to go to a house party on Saturday. So kind of the classic situation, going to have to figure out a costume week of. It's going to be like a really, really warm Halloween, both this weekend and on the day on Monday. Just so strange. I always remember growing up that Halloween was like freezing cold here in Toronto. And when I was really young, several years in a row, I wanted to dress up like Peter Pan. And of course, my parents made me wear like my winter coat underneath the costume. And so everyone just thought I was a big green pea. But we're not here to talk about my Halloween trauma. No, we're here with a snazzy new episode for you today. Today, we've got a young up and coming R&B artist on the podcast. His name is Sunsetto. He is from Cape Breton Island in Nova Scotia. He's been making waves all over the Spotify and Apple Music playlists. He just released a brand new single just a few days ago called Too Fast. He's working on his debut EP right now. He's signed to the Sony label. So I actually met up with him at Sony's head office here in Toronto for this conversation. And he's a great kid, really down to earth. He's really eager to be creating and writing music uh, and getting his music out there. So I'm really excited to share this one with you guys, especially if you're a fan of R&B music. You'll definitely love Sunsetto. So I'm not going to spend too much time on this introduction. We're going to get right into the interview. But before we do, if you're tuning into the Adamantium podcast today for the very first time, I just wanted to say thank you for checking us out. So if you enjoyed today's episode, we'd love to have you back again sometime. So please do hit that subscribe button on whichever podcast network you choose to get your podcasts. You can also follow the Adamantium podcast on social media. We're on Instagram at the Adamantium, on Facebook at the Adamantium podcast, and on Twitter at Adam R. Harrison. But you can find us just by searching the Adamantium podcast. And that's it. So let's get right into episode 152 with Sunsetto. Have a great week, everybody. Have a happy and safe Halloween. God bless. And we will see you back here on the Adamantium podcast real soon. Anyway, so we're here with, with Sunsetto. Thank you, man, for, for joining me. Yeah, thank you. This yeah. Is, this is awesome. Lots of, uh, lots of cool stuff going on for you right now. So, I mean, let's, let's start from the beginning. Let's introduce the, the listeners to you. So tell me, tell me like, from like where, where, uh, you know, where you come from, mm-hmm. where you grew up, and uh, how you got to start in music. Yeah, I was uh, mostly raised uh, in Nova Scotia. Okay. I was actually born in Brampton. Oh, okay. Um, and we just kind of moved around so much. I think my mom was working a job in like Mississauga. So I was born there. We, we lived somewhere in Northern Ontario. I think Innisfil it was, it okay. was called, something like that, for a little bit. But yeah, so her, her whole family's from Nova Scotia. So we ended up moving there. I was probably like seven or eight. Okay. Um, and then we moved around there a bunch, but all, mostly in this place called Cape Breton Island. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I was raised there a lot and I just was really into um, NSYNC back then. Like, Amazing. Who know, wasn't? <laughs> I wanted to be like Justin Timberlake. I think I like wore a bandana and all that and did, did the dance moves. Um, so I was always like that kid, you know, at family so JT gatherings. who got you into music. Totally. Gotcha. Totally JT at first. Mm. Um, 
yeah, so I was always into, like, pop music in that way. It just hit me at a really good time, I guess, in my childhood. And, like, was always the entertainer of the family. Um, and I think I started, like, writing songs pretty much at that age, actually. Like, um, there's a clip I have on my Instagram of uh, the day I signed, like, my publishing mm-hmm. deal with, with Warner Chapel, And, like, I shared this clip on VHS that my uh, my nan has of me writing, like, my first songs and yeah. stuff. And I'm, like, performing them in the living room. So... It was always something, it was always the dream Yeah. Um, to write songs and stuff like that. So I got into my first writing camp. Um, Joel, who I ran into in the lobby, was at one of those oh, writing okay. camps in Cape Breton. Um, but, but that was a, a few years into it because mm-hmm. I kept getting invited back. So I got invited to this writing camp called the Gordy Sampson Song Camp in Cape Breton. And um, that was my first time just meeting people that actually do music for a living. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it kind of blew my mind. So... I did pretty so how good. So did, how did you get invited? Like, were you already writing music at that oh, point? I, yeah, I, I was rapping. Okay. I was, like, really into rap, and I, I was, like, yeah, I was, like, rap-battling kids at, like, the skate park in, okay. like, in, like, Cape Breton, and, like, I was really into rap. I was listening to a lot of, like, Eminem, um, but then, no, actually, that was when I was younger, so at this point, I, w- I would have been listening to, like, Kanye. Okay. Um, and like, this is, like, what, early 2000s? So? This would have been, yeah, like, 2000 and... Not even, like, 2007, 2008. Okay. yeah, yeah. So I was, like, I, I was rapping a lot, and I entered this contest, and I, I wrote a verse, and I won, and I got to open for Royce 5-9. Okay. So it was, like, that was, like, my first performance. Yeah, I yeah. Open for Royce. Um, and then, yeah, I submitted an application to get into this writing camp, and it was, like, the mo- the cringiest thing I've, I've, <laughs> I've written, I think. It was, like, this rap song I made, but I produced it in my room. I used one of those Zoom Zoom mics, yeah, those yeah. field recording mics. Yeah. I recorded a song, produced it, and, and I got into the camp. And, um, yeah, it was, like, serious writers, mostly, like, Nashville-affiliated writers. I was going to say, because I looked up Gordy saying he's known mm-hmm. for, like, Carrie Underwood, Keith Urban. Yeah, so, a lot of Nashville writers. So it was, like, really cool way to learn songwriting because I still think, like, the process uh, of in Nashville is like so amazing like the right. way they write and the way they they write a chorus and like mm. the spin that they put on on the the lyric the title lyric and right. just like a really cool foundational way to learn how to write um and then yeah I kept getting invited back to that camp so I went like six times so that's six consecutive years of this one week out of the summer I get to go to this camp and it was like it was like going to Hogwarts it was right, like okay. every year I'm like oh I, I'm writing all year and I'm like, oh, I'm going to save this for the camp when gotcha. I get to go. Because as I was evolving, the camp was evolving. So the first year, it was like guitars and write song on guitar. Second year, it was like so, some people had a little sneaky setup in a cabin somewhere. Because okay. it was all at this like resort called the Celtic Lodge. So yeah, and by the like sixth camp, every single cabin had a, a demo studio set up. Mm. And uh, you would get in sessions and write, and at the by the end of the session, the song would be fully demoed. And then okay. at the end of the night, we listen to everyone's demos. It was like really, really changed my life. And um, yeah, I just remember no matter what, any job I worked after that, I was always continue writing and um, saving up, you know, my best songs for a rainy day. I didn't know what I was going to do with them. But did so? Did you move back here with your family, or did you come here to pursue your music career? to Toronto? Yeah. Well, I actually only moved to Toronto in um, June this okay. this past summer, and I hadn't even been here since. I was probably here when I was a little kid, so this mm-hmm. is like my first time here. But I was mostly in Nova Scotia. Um, twenty seventeen, I actually moved to Alberta, okay. so I worked up up north in Alberta. I was working like construction, 
And I would just still, you know, on, on my time off, I did one of those jobs that was like two weeks on, one week off. So on my time off, I would, mm. I flew to California for the first time. Right. Because like Alberta is like a pretty quick flight yeah, actually yeah. to down to LA. So um, yeah, I would work like two weeks, you know, doing like scaffolding and um, all this stuff in the winter, like minus 40. Mm -hmm. And then I get that week off and I would go right down to California and go to LA and like hire people to do a session with me like okay just use that money I was making in, in like the oil fields to go down and literally like pretend that songwriting was my job right like so I'll just yeah, hire yeah. engineer hire writers like literally pay writers to come in and just work with me and, and make demos and stuff so I was just like you know paying to live the dream um, and yeah I moved out here after I signed uh, my, my deal and stuff um, and that came about, that was a whole other crazy story of just, I, I basically put a song on Instagram, yeah, a clip of it, and um, this was 2020, 2021? Don't Leave, right? Don't Leave. Yeah. I, I just put a clip of Don't Leave up on Instagram, and um, my phone just, just the classic cliche, like my phone literally was blowing up. Yeah. Um, it just like amassed all these streams after. Well, it wasn't even released, so it was like yeah. um, I put the clip up, and then a, a video director named Andy Hines, who lives in uh, L.A. Well, actually, he lives in Sonora, California, but he works in L.A. mostly, and he's from Nova Scotia, and he was just on my page, and he saw it, and he sent it around, mm. and he called okay. me. I remember I was at Classified Studio. You know Classified? Yeah, yeah. Um, I was at his studio. I was writing with uh, some friends of mine, Ata and Jax. They're like a hip-hop, punk-pop duo. And we're in this session, and I was, like, playing some keys or something, and I had my phone here to um, as a tuner because mm -hmm. that's how I write melodies. I'll, like, hum into the tuner and see, and then I'll play it on the keys. Um, and then my phone rings, and it says, maybe Andy Hines. And I remember Classified was behind me, and he's like, you should probably answer that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like... He's like, I know, Andy, you should probably answer that. And I answer it, and uh, he's like, hey, man, um, I sent this clip of your song around to some people, and they want to talk to you. Mm. And he's like, I think you should talk to this guy, Derek Dolan. Long story short, Derek um, became something of a manager um, for the next, like, month. Um, linked me up with a, a lawyer and all that stuff. And we didn't have any deals on the table yet, but he was just like, he saw something in the music right away and so I sold my car to go out and meet him just to hang out and be in LA you know and, and meet him and and this other guy named Mark Gillespie who's discovered Frank Ocean and, and him and Derek worked together and managed Calvin Harris for like 10 years mm -hmm. so I was just learning all this at the time just talking to Derek like every day and I yeah sold my car flew out there and he's like all right let's put don't leave out He's like, you know, everyone loves this song, and we did, and it, it did, just did really well. And then I uh, signed a publishing deal with Warner Chapel while I was out there, thank yeah. God, because I would have been stuck there. Had right. no money to get home, and it, you had to stay in a hotel <laughs> in quarantine, and it, it would have oh, cost, right. like, two grand yeah. or something. I just didn't have the money to even come back home. So, yeah, it was crazy. So well, how did you, when you first went out, when you first went out to L.A., how did you know where to go? Where like, uh, where to go the first time? How did you? The first you time I've been people? there. Yeah, like no, where I had did you just, no How clue. did you? How did you find the right people initially? How did you find an engineer? How did you find a songwriter? Um, I think I went on like, I think it was through Twitter or something. I found this dude, Michael Wilson. He worked at a, 
a studio called Neon Sound. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I went to this. It just looked legit. Like I saw like Harry Hudson had recorded there, and I was like, cool. So they had they offered like packages at okay. the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, I just so was bought this one all of the during the pandemic. This was pre pre okay. Um, yeah. But yeah, when I went out there, when I finally had like a manager and stuff like that out there, when I that was pretty that was during the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. And I ended up actually getting COVID while I was there. And it cost so much money to stay an extra right. two weeks out there. Of course, and and yeah. I had a rental yeah. car, and someone came and picked it up with like a hazmat suit. <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah. 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 Oh man, um, man, we kind of we kind of went all over the place here with. Uh, yeah, I'm not like, good at linear. No, no, like, no. Actually, no. In fact, I mean, what what I mean is that you already touched into what if I have is like five different notes here. So <laughs> one, I'm going to go back to because I wanted to ask, how did you apply? that Nashville kind mm-hmm. of style writing that you learned at Gordy's camp mm-hmm. to the style of music you wanted to make? Um, I think it happened naturally. I, I, I wasn't um, thinking of it too much, but I just admire those, those guys so much. And like, um, even like kind of our, our Canadian style of like folk music and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like I'm a huge Donovan Woods fan and I actually right. got to write with him when I was there. And like, he, to me, he's like one of the best writers I've seen, I've like heard, and, and it's like, it's just that top tier level, and um, I, yeah, I think it just, I think I just do what I like anyway. Like I, I once I, once my brain loves something, I just it becomes a part of what I do anyway, and mm-hmm. um, in in my own way, I guess. But yeah, I mean, I for example, I write a lot uh, from the title. Mm-hmm. It's something that I learned that what they do in Nashville that they'll write a bunch of titles. And oh, usually okay. that those titles are attached to, like, a sentiment. Um, so that just helps a lot. Like, going into a session with a bunch of, like, titles that... that mm-hmm. And then you say, oh, I have this title, and this is what it means to me. And you discuss the sentiment. It's mm-hmm. just a great way to get in, especially with co-writers who you just met, mm-hmm. and just, you know, start throwing stuff at the wall. That's a really cool trick I learned um, from the Nashville style, I guess. And, um, again, like using the title in a cool way like if the title is like right here um you put a little spin at the end like mm-hmm. i wrote a little hook the other day and it was like you know i'll be right here and then it resolves and it goes right where you left me and it's mm-hmm. just like a cool like yeah, yeah. Little, you know a spin so they're, they're big on the spin and yeah. um big on titles and, and just the way they write so i think i've, I've i use those tactics but that's just really the the surface level of yeah you know just to get ideas flowing but it's given me a lot of inspiration were your parents musical people not really well they love music like just you know pop music and stuff um what was playing in the house when you were growing up oh man i remember my mom would like late at night she would just crank tunes in the living room um and just like, <laughs> I don't know if it was a way of like exercising or what, but she would just play music at like 10 p.m. And I'm just like in bed. And she would just like stand there like this. And just like, <laughs> like, I don't know what you call it. Like, it's like Bobbing a shuffling. On the spot, yeah. Like, literally, like, um, yeah. and um, <laughs> I remember she would listen a lot to that song, um, Caribbean Queen. Okay. Yeah. Whatever that is. And then. Um, there was that one was on heavy rotation, and she would listen to a lot of like Concrete Blonde. Okay, yeah, yeah. The song Joey by Concrete Blonde. Um, yeah, just kind of like I don't I don't know what taste what certain taste that is, but 
she definitely these songs like um yeah like helped her through stuff or, or I don't, right I yeah no but it was like as music does mm-hmm. and i mean you mentioned the video and I, I saw that little clip you were talking about on your instagram mm-hmm. um were they have they always been supportive of this endeavor like to to pursue music kind of actually I, not to put my mom on blast, but when I was learning um, how to like sing and play guitar, I remember she came in and she was like, "You you gotta you gotta stop." <laughs> <laughs> I sang like I couldn't sing. I was trying to like do like runs. I was trying to sing. Um, mm-hmm. I was trying to learn how to sing uh, "Fallen" by uh, Alicia Keys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was trying to learn to sing that, and uh, she was like, "Yeah, um, can you just give it a rest for a bit?" Yeah, know? yeah. Um, but. Yeah, definitely, like, supportive uh, in a way that, like, I was really stubborn. You know, she she would have definitely rathered I went to get a trade and go work out west, which is funny because I ended up doing that anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, I didn't go to school or anything. But, yeah, she really wanted a safe bet because it's like, you know, we, we don't even know anyone in our family with, like, a lot of money or anything. Like, right. And, it's, and where we come from, like, Cape Breton is, like, there's just not resources there there's not Mm -hmm. money there uh it's just a it's kind of rough still so yeah she wanted a safe bet my dad's stoked obviously like he's like he's like he always um they did always encourage it because you know like i said when i was a young kid i was dancing around to nsync Mm. and stuff so um as things started to happen um and it became more realistic they were definitely like super supportive but yeah like they couldn't send me away to to do any program or anything like that so it's just the support is just like moral support just right. like yeah, yeah. you know do your thing and we're so proud and which is great and that's exactly all, that's what all you, I need exactly what you need um similarly my my mom did the same thing i used to, especially in high school i used to sing around the house all the time my mom would tell me she would say adam you're a man of many talents, but <laughs> singing is not one of them. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah. Anyway, so now you, you have a fir- your first EP on the way. Yeah. Um, do we have much information about that? You're like, how close are you to, to getting it done? I, I, I think it's done. I'm, I'm okay. As much as you this can. There's a collection of singles out there. Right, right. So. And, and, like, that's the only thing. I, I don't. I don't just want to put these singles out and, and say this is the first EP, mm-hmm. but it kind of is. I mean, it's like, really, it's this like... what you've worked on over the last... It, it kind of is. You know, I do have um, incredible demos in the vault that I, I could mm-hmm. say, oh, this, I'm going to finish these up and call this, like, the second EP, or mm-hmm. or I could I could finish them up this week and maybe they'll make it on this first one. So I'm really... I make, there's a lot of decisions to be made. Mm-hmm. It's crunch time, but... Um, these songs are out. I think I, I think they they have a special cohesiveness and a tone just because they're all, you know, written at this stage in my life. And um, I want to call it Blue Hour, this first okay. EP. Um, and Blue Hour, we were doing a photo shoot with um, Griffin O'Toole. They're a photographer, videographer I work mm-hmm. with a lot. And um, they were telling me about Blue Hour, and it's like just that kind of twilight moment right after or or sometimes before. Uh, sunrise or mm. after sunset where yeah. the sun goes below the horizon and then it's just this deep blue like of the sky and um, I was just reading into it and just metaphorically what it means and and what it could mean and um, I just really love the sentiment and um, also how I love how it reads too because Sunsetto is also like Sunset 2 mm-hmm. 
Blue Hour, right? So oh, it's like, yeah. I just love how that reads and I love how it it is that stage of like a new chapter almost beginning, but first you go through the period of night of just like this exploration in the dark and then, you know, when I do a full length album, maybe that's the moment of like dawn or the sunrise mm-hmm. or, you know. So I just love the, um, the me the, the, what would you call it? The metaphor there you know mm-hmm. and I, I think it's very fitting for this first project so i want to call it blue hour i think it's done it could be i'm, I'm kind of in limbo with like one or two songs okay um but yeah we're at a really good spot it's a when, good good problems when you're writing songs right now with in preparation for this how do you decide you know i want to release this as a single or i want to hold this for the ep or i'm actually really I, I i at this stage don't really decide and i don't really okay. want to decide yeah yeah because i'll <laughs> be i just don't know so i I love the idea of working with a, a team and, you know, of, of like people who really do this and know and have a good feeling because I love everything I do and I would put everything out as a mm-hmm. single or as a, you know, it, it, that doesn't matter as much to me. Um, so I kind of just run it through the team and mm-hmm. see what they think and my friends as well. Cool. Um, Sweet. Let's talk about a couple of the songs. Mm. So your, your latest single, On the Side. Mm. Um, it's kind of an interesting, an interesting song because it's a concept that you know most people would find very difficult. Yeah. You know, um, if you find somebody new, keep me on the side. Yeah. So tell me the inspiration behind this song. What what made you kind of think of this idea of this type of relationship or yeah um, connection? I uh, I think it's very liberating. Kind of. I think it's like. This is so weird and deep, but I think like it's it's really like attractive when someone doesn't need you and mm-hmm. they just like want you or something. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's part of this like honeymoon phase where you just meet someone and they're so interesting and they're so alluring. It's like they because they're them entirely mm-hmm. themselves. And they, you know, and when you're with someone, I think for a long time, um, you see people kind of merge into this one being kind of thing which is beautiful but mm-hmm. it's you know this mystique in this fucking uh sorry for cursing you can you, you oh, can okay. if you want but yeah. this like <laughs> yeah just when you first meet someone and they could have other things going on and you're kind of competing for their um for, mm-hmm. their know, attention their and, attention yeah. and being the the one for them or something i don't know just kind of playing with that sentiment and um and the idea of just like possession in, in a relationship and like mm-hmm. you don't own somebody and and you know it it's just kind of it's it's kind of a sexy liberating kind of sentiment that I, that I had for a bit um and I don't know why it came out in that session with Calabasas but we just uh, I just heard the music and I just thought of that line and then they kind of the song went from there so tell me about then how did you was this the first collaboration you've done um like with in a recording yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah, like the first like official feature. Yeah. So how did you right. how did you meet Calabasas and and what was it like working with them? Well, I uh, I had a session with them um, through through uh, Warner Chapel. Like uh, my A&R John Chen right, set it up. Okay. He thought it would be a good fit, but I didn't know that. It, and the session was in my calendar, and I was actually in Toronto last October doing some writing here. And this would have been around the time I wrote, like, Late to the Party and, mm-hmm. and stuff. So I was doing um, a bunch of sessions. And then I was on Spotify, and this song called Gory Love 
uh, came on and, and uh, it was just playing in my kitchen and I was like, what the hell is this? This is mm-hmm. amazing. Um, and then I saved it and I put it on my story and I was like, wow, this is like my favorite song right now. Mm-hmm. And then like two days later, I think it was like Jiv or Erica, one of my day-to-days was like, oh, you have a session with them, by the way. Mm. And I was like, what? And I looked at my calendar and I, I had a session with them. So I was just really stoked. So we had the session um, when I went out to L.A., um, yeah, it was just a few weeks after that. So I went to LA in, in last November, had the session with them, and um, it was just we just knew it was a vibe. We literally made it in like two hours, and, wow. and then we just kicked it for the rest of the day. We yeah. just hung out and chatted, and maybe um, you got COVID from them. It was a good time. Yeah, maybe they gave me COVID. <laughs> I know it was you, Fran. Um, no, I. But yeah, and then um, I just kind of knew that I didn't want to change anything. Really. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, we we I did a couple things on the production. Added some like. Um, brass instruments and just arrangement things I think but yeah I knew that we were just both meant to be on the song sweet so uh, the other one I wanted to ask about was um, the other single from this summer uh, Drugs Are For Fun yeah so tell me about this because this song is it's kind of interesting because it's a very kind of upbeat song mm-hmm. but it's got this kind of sobering message to mm. it tell me what made you want to write this song for one did you come to a point where you realized you had to make a change in life Mm. Um, and what inspired you to, to to actually put it on paper? Yeah, um, I don't even think I put it on paper. But <laughs> all right, figuratively speaking, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, like, no, I get yeah. what you mean. So. <laughs> but uh, no, it just it's because it's one of those things. It just kind of came out. I mean, drugs have have been like a part of my life and upbringing, pretty much as long as I can remember. Um, just like family members, friends, like. Obviously, it's a huge. It's been a, a, an epidemic in in Cape Breton. I mm, mean, there's like really okay. ton, Oh my god, yeah. It's like there's a movie about it called Cottonland, and it's like basically after the coal mine shut down, there's just been an op- like just a a mess. Uh, so addiction and things like that, just like growing up, like family and, and friends, and um, it, it's serious and it's deep. But I love pop music and I love mm. um, emotional pop music, and it's mm-hmm. like I think that even like dance music like uh, electronic dance music and stuff like the the best to me the the best hardest hitting ones are those ones that are emotional and they're like in a minor key most of the time and like yeah so it's like just mixing that dark with the light vibe and um talking about things that are real to me really real and, and important and sometimes dark but if they come out in a way that you can also dance to it that's kind mm-hmm. of Amazing. I don't know. It's, it's a it's a good mix. It's it's a mix that I'm really interested in, and um, yeah, I think we didn't go full dance on that one. We didn't go full like four on the floor. It's very yeah. sparse the percussion, and it's like I don't know. It's kind of a it's kind of a journey. I, I'm obsessed with this idea of like this epiphany at a, at a club or something. Okay. You know? um, and I think because that's definitely happened to me. I mean, I. I to be honest, I haven't uh, done, like, hard drugs before um, because it's, like, I've seen what it does to people close to me, and I'm, like, so I'll never go there. Um, but I've definitely done, I've, there's been periods where I've, like, smoked too much weed for a while or, like, you know, did, ate too many mushrooms mm-hmm. too, for too much. So it's, like, um, having, the song's really about having a respect for the power that drugs can have and, mm-hmm. and you know, being realistic about how big a part of uh, of our society and our world they are, I guess, but in a fun kind of light way. Right. Um, the video is, you know, 
kind of showcases some of the landscapes of where you grew up. Mm. Was that an important part to you of the song? Like, yeah, yeah, I think that was really, really beautiful. It came out amazing. I mean, we, that was the second video we had shot for it. We, we had tried one idea and it didn't work. And um, that's why I love my team and stuff, because we're like, oh, this isn't right. Let's do it again, which I think was a really good move. And I love, um, yeah, showing the way you wouldn't think that that song would show like a forest scene or things like that. Right. Or, um, and it just, yeah, it came out so beautiful. Tell me about the crew that you work with, because it seems to be like this is kind of like almost like a little bit like your yeah, your your posse that you guys kind of have like a posse. Yeah, yeah, I didn't I didn't realize it, but yeah, like my best friend Moose, he shoots like so much of like any of my video stuff mm-hmm. and 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 does a lot of photos and uh, we've been doing this since I was like. 15 16 mm-hmm. like pretending it was our job back then and now now it is yeah so and it cool but not our job but like our you know our life our career mm-hmm. um so he's a huge part of, of my team like you know he's he's with me when you know decisions get made creatively um like i said andy hines kind of um put me in the game and, and spread my music and always always believed in the vision mm. you know so i definitely love running stuff by him and then yeah, yeah my managers uh, byron and ruiz like super smart guys like um been working with jesse reyes since since even before like um her first hit and stuff like that mm-hmm. like they just they they're they're smart guys and and um i'm honored that they think i'm good because they clearly know like you know talent and yeah, stuff yeah. when they see it so um yeah i'm so blessed and like i said like derek dolan and and mark gillespie like um they're they put me in the game and, and helped me with that first release and and so it's it's a really from from Canada over to the U.S., L.A. and Toronto. Like, feel like I'm blessed with a really really cool team, and I'm still a new artist. Mm-hmm. So to be a new artist and have a big team it's is good like, too because you cover the West Coast and the East Coast. Yeah, yeah, I mean it's just like I got friends in high places. I feel like, and it's yeah. it's such a blessing. So and were these guys that you that you filmed like your your boss, were these guys you just kind of grew up with? And, and well, I, yeah, I grew up with Moose. Yeah, okay. we grew up in the same town, and and. Um, and yeah, so that that's like probably my longest friend because, like I said, I moved around mm-hmm. so much before mm-hmm. that part of my life. So, does uh, does skateboarding ever influence your music or how you write? I don't know if it influences how I write. Um, it's kind of honestly, it's like a meditative thing for me. I feel right. like it. It's um, yeah, like when I go skate, it's probably the one time I'm not thinking about, um, which is which ends up helping probably. Right. It's the one time I'm not thinking about some kind of like how can I make this a song mm-hmm. or a lyric or. Um, it's a really good way to, I feel like... Um, it's often when you're not thinking about it is when it comes to you. Right, right, yeah. yeah. It's it's a way to just kind of clear the junk uh, out and the stream just kind of runs clear after that. And, yeah, it's just a good meditative thing for me. Um, but I think, like, the music that I got into because of skateboarding mm-hmm. definitely inspired yeah, the sound like and the sonics. There's definitely a lifestyle there, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, like... I was really into, like I said, it got me really into rap music, which is mm-hmm. like the way I write a rap verse would would still go into, if I turn that into a melodic thing, it's like now it's all of a sudden the coolest verse on a pop mm-hmm. song. It's like, whoa, yeah. it's like because of what I learned there. And, you know, skateboarding definitely got me into that. Like, Why do you think, like, in I noticed, I've always noticed in skateboarding, there uh, there's such kind of an interesting connection between skaters often listen to punk music but also mm. rap music mm-hmm. and what do you think the connection is between those two genres like um honestly it really comes together live i think the okay. energy is right is, 
energy that it it's the energy yeah it's like um i think rap and punk like where that comes together it makes sense live like i don't know mm-hmm. the psychology of it but the energy totally makes sense because it's like um rap is is to me it's like it's this bravado like kanye will help you like land that trick if you mm. if you if you want to give up or whatever or if right. say if you're in the gym and you get that one last rep it's that bravado it's that yeah. it's that and the punk thing is like you know i don't have to listen to someone who i don't give a shit whatever i'm going to do right. i'm going to trust my instinct i'm going to do this cuz like this is what i feel and like fuck you yeah and i think that that is definitely like in the center of that like venn diagram that's definitely a connection there it's it's like the attitude um and the confidence and the bravado and the and the just the energy that makes sense yeah yeah um what goals do you have for yourself in this next year and then say in the next five years i just want to work with a lot of uh people and, and i want to write like a thousand songs right um, and I want to go on a tour. Okay. I, I've been working with a, a music director for my live show, uh, Silas Wong, and um, yeah, big plans for the live show. Um, yeah, I just want to hit. I want. That's mainly it. I want to write a bunch of songs, hit mm-hmm. the road, um, and just grow the fan base, um, and also document it all so that I have cool videos to look right, back yeah. on, see you the journey. Moose with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moose, yeah, Moose yeah, come. Got it. Yeah. Um, do you have any kind of dream collaborators? Do you have, yeah, like a bucket list? I really want to work with Johan Lennox. Um, love what what he's doing. Like all my favorite artists and the projects that are coming out. Like I'm super into Gene Dawson right now, and I'm seeing he's involved with that. And I'm, I've obviously been super into 070 Shake, and he just like produced that album. And yeah, so he's kind of, he's a he would be a, a dream collab coming coming up and. Um, Dijon, I'd love to write with Dijon at some point. Um, yeah. Was the question just dream collaborators? Yeah, dream collaborators, yeah. Yeah, and then long-term, like, one day Pharrell, maybe, that would be insane. Yeah. Um, Post Malone. Yeah, it's kind of a long list. But yeah. <laughs> just wanted to get a couple of the top, off the top. Okay, and then to wrap it up, fun question to wrap it up, because we were talking about it right before, while you were in the washroom. Because uh-huh. I was saying Backstreet's Back was the first, my first CD I ever bought. Oh, no You're a big way. JT fan, so tell me, do you remember the first CD you ever bought? Or yeah, was it, was, it was the No Strings Attached. No though. Strings Attached. There yeah. you go. Cool, man. Well, that's it. That's all I got. So, uh, awesome. man, again, thank you for, for doing this. This is really cool. And, thank you, uh, yeah. All the best in the next year, and... Uh, well, we'll catch you on. We'll catch you when the first album's out. Absolutely, one of these. Thanks cool, so man. much. Really All appreciate right, it. Cheers. The Adamantium. Thank you for tuning in to the Adamantium Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd absolutely love for you to subscribe to us on whichever platform you listen to your podcasts. I'd also love to see you on social media. You can follow on Instagram at The Adamantium, on Facebook at The Adamantium Podcast, and on Twitter at Adam R. Harrison. Thank you again so much for listening.